Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm an interviewer, journalist and broadcaster. And for the first decade of this century, I did for the Irish radio station RT Radio 1 a music series titled Under the Influence. Sadly, that title was subsequently used, be it stolen consciously or otherwise, for a similar MTV show. So now, after revisiting the master tapes of those old interviews, I've decided to turn the best into a podcast series called The Music That Made Me. I may even add the subtitle Made Me Want to Make Music. Either way, what follows is one of those shows, minus music, which for copyright reasons I can't include. Some of the full shows and many of my other radio programs are available on Mixcloud.com. And if you want to read any articles that arose out of these interviews, you can check out JoeJacksonInterviewer.com. Enjoy the show. I'll have to just, I'm going to have to say we're at a concert. Because it's, it's there in the background, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Okay, um... I have two of the two of the original Saw Doctors here. We're down, and if there's any kind of music in the background, we're at the uh, Dancing with Lunasa Festival, which you guys are playing later tonight. So I have two of the core members, and we're going to start off. We're trying to do this chronologically about influences. We're going to start off with and your choice. My name is Davy, and uh, I would think that my biggest influences would have been uh, bands like uh, Credence, Clearwater, and T-Rex, and that that would have been around the start of my. A, time, a period of listening to music. So. Well, were you buying? Did you go out and rush out and buy these singles? Did you hear them on the radio? Take them off the radio? What was it about? What was it about these? Well, I actually, I actually used to listen to Radio Luxembourg, right. and that was a great influence. So I think the first single I bought was uh, "Get It On" T Rex. So All that right. would have been the first pocket money I would have properly got. So right. can you remember how much it was? I think it was twenty-seven pence. Oh, for okay. the single but wasn't it worth it? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. So would you like to hear "Get It On" again? I certainly would. Yeah. Okay, uh, T-Rex's Get It On. It's great kind of... That's another one of those like rockabilly rock and roll tracks, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, and now we have your choice. Leo here from this... Uh, Leo Moran is my name, of course. Well, that, okay. That's terrible. Oh, why would it be, of course? <laughs> I'll let you say it again. Okay, oh, why would it be, of course? Okay. Of course this band is putting you off. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course me, but not to the listeners. I'll say it then. Okay, I'll say it. And the other member is Leo. Yeah? yeah? Okay, and the, the, uh, that was uh, the, that was T Rex. We have another choice. We have Leo, of course, from Saw Doctors. <laughs> and uh, you you kind of tuned in a wee bit. You would like that kind of stuff, but you tuned in a wee bit later. The music that really excited you first time around was a wee bit later. Yeah, I went into secondary school in 1978, so the punk thing was just after happening, and it was it was fantastic at the time. And I loved the Stranglers and the Sex Pistols at the time. And then I I bought a, a Ramon single, "Swallow My Pride," at a junior youth club uh, jumble sale right. and that turned me on to the Ramones and I've loved them ever since and were you going around like a punk did you have did you, all the stuff like the, the razor blades and, the, and, and all the torn clothes and, and spitting of people was this part of the gig <laughs> the silly clothes alright yeah yeah we had great fun it is when you look back on it now I mean it seemed really uh, sociologically and politically important then but you look at some of it now and you go did we really were we really yeah but uh, I, I still have a green suit for, with okay. uh, all the names of the bands uh, printed on the back of it and stuff with, with Tipex all right, and what about what about this particular song, the one we're going to play? Why was it so galvanising or exciting? Well, I I I think I'd pick uh, Rockaway Beach because it's just kind of a it's a perfectly formed song. The Ramones sound deceptively uh, simple and easy, but it's a minimalist art that they perfected. And it's it's uh, when we play the, we've played some of the songs, and you have to play them exactly right. It's not as uh, it's not as thrown together as people thought. I have a funny feeling now you're talking about the Saw Doctors, not the Ramones. But anyway, let's hear that <laughs> sound. <laughs> <laughs> 
They'll never believe yeah. that about us. They would. <laughs> no, they would. You know, I, you know, guys. I've when I've reviewed your records, I've given you. I've said how important I feel yeah. they are. So I'm. I'm not kind of. I'm not being a smartass. No, but it's I'm, true. I, you know. Like a... I remember actually saying that about the, the, if you want to look back on the cultural resonances of what was really going on. Check these songs. Yeah. This is where people were at. And we, I'll get to that later. Yeah. Okay, so wh- who are we going to lead into now? What was the third? Oh, yeah, now I'll come back in. Yeah. Uh, you listened to uh, Under the Influence of Joe Jackson and two members of the Saw Doctors. So uh, wh- when you guys got, is there any kind of music from when you guys started out that you both would agree on, that you both thought, yeah, we, that we each absolutely have a taste and fondness for that? And when you first got together, how was it in terms of making music or why? Well, the funny thing about it was I was influenced by a band Davy was in called Blaze X, who were the Irish, the Irish version of the Ramones. Oh, okay. And I couldn't believe that this band was happening in my hometown, and that's how I got to know Davy better, other than just playing soccer in the schoolyard. And where were they playing locally? Were you playing local? Well, Davey, where were you playing locally? Yeah, I was very local. Like It was just like the furthest place we would have gone would have been, uh, I'd say, Sligo. You know what I mean? So it would have been very local. But it was all uh, home-written like, stuff, so... And we were awfully excited. And we, I can guarantee you, we were thrown together. I'll tell you, the music was thrown together. <laughs> but it was great. Well, was, this wasn't a post-Credence uh, T-Rex. This was into the punk era. This would have been around the time of the Ramones. and It was around 1980 and that. Right. Like, so it would have been right. a big influence off them. And we'd say the Sex Pistols and that. You know, because, right. you know, like, uh, we, we would have... Uh, one of the big thrills for us would have been that the fact that there was a rumour that John Lydon's uh, grandfather was in Tomb, so... Oh, yeah, you know, okay. we were following in the footsteps. So. That's all you needed to start a band. That's all you needed to take over the world, That's wasn't it? it? Yeah. Okay, so so let's play another track that both of you can agree on from those days. Uh, you pick one there, Davy. From what year now would you like? Uh, just what, what, what actually, I'd like you to pick a song that actually would prepare us for the Saw Doctors. Wow, when I see, uh, I would pick a Springsteen song. I'd say. Okay. No, I don't know which one because. Leo is the Leo knows all the Springsteen stuff. I mean, I only just heard bits and pieces here and there. Like Leo's actually volunteered to sing a Springsteen song. <laughs> Later on, maybe. But he would have been a huge influence uh, because he's a songwriter and that, and that that would have been a big thing. Like, so I, I reckon that would have been a, that's a kind of a a gel between the two. Like, and Springsteen was really hot at that point. I mean, he oh, was the hottest singer of the planet. So, yeah. okay, can you think immediately of a Springsteen song? Say Thunder Road. It's a fantastically yeah. written song. But this again, this again, and I wasn't again being facetious when I said prepare us for the Saw Doctors. This is one of those anthemic songs that just became an anthem for a generation. So it did, whether consciously or otherwise, influence you guys when you just got together to create music. Well, it certainly influenced me because I'd been to see Springsteen a few times before we started the Saw Doctors and I learned an awful lot from from the songwriting that he does and from his performance techniques and, and just what works and... Uh, Oh yeah, I, I like I studied Springsteen. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So let's hear the the boss himself. There you go. <laughs> okay, so Leo, who was your Clarence? Anthony Thistletwit, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so when you guys, you said he, he was already a kind of hero of you because he was playing music similar to the stuff you loved. Yeah. So when you first decided to get together, how did that happen, and who deci- who suggested? It was actually, I was unemployed at the time, and it was Leo that came. Weren't we all? Yeah, well, there you go now. And, uh, and uh, like, I mean, I had given up on, I'd really given up on, I wasn't, like, it wasn't a music career for me, like, because I had done that little stint, and that was it, like. Okay. But it was Leo that came to me, le- le- you know, while I was doing nothing, and he said, like, you know, there's songs there, and we should, you know, they should be heard by people and whatever. And then what songs was he referring to? Though? The stuff you'd done in the other band? Yeah, it would have been stuff like that. And it would have been other songs that would have been hanging around on the peripheral of that band, which wouldn't have suited that band, we'd say, because they were a bit sort of hard and whatever. But there would have been a lot of songs around. There was actually a particular song around called Midnight and that, like, that I would have had, you know what I mean? 
So that was his idea, just to start doing, uh, you know, playing those songs. And why had you given up on the rock and roll dream? Were you in despair? Were you depressed about what, what situation you were in? Or was this a great thing that happened? No, or? It was, it's just the best thing that ever happened to me. But I mean, I wasn't in despair or anything. I had done the little play as X thing. I really enjoyed it, like, and that, you know what I mean? And I just thought, well, that's it, like, so, you know. But it was, he came to me then and said, like, yeah, sure, you know. And I was doing nothing else at the time, so it was perfect. And did you guys start writing together? We did, yeah. We, yeah. we started playing the songs that were left over from Blaze X, and they were brilliant songs. And uh, one of the songs then that, that Davy and, and the late, great Paul Kniff had written was a song called I Used to Love Her. Yeah, and um, we wrote verses with Parik Stevens, who was the drummer in the band at the time. And we wrote verses for a song that we didn't have a chorus for. So we merged the oh, right. verses of that we had just written with the chorus of the Blaze X song, and we got a song called "I Used to Love Her." That's fantastic. So who wrote that filthy line that that that, that to, I, I've all, I've gone on to print and saying that if people want to understand the culture of the '80s or whatever, they should listen to, to a lot of your lyrics, and I'll stand by that. But I mean, the idea that anyone would go to mass to look at a girl's ass is just disgraceful. And I'm going to stop the interview now and kick you out of the room. Did you write that? Uh, I, won't, I won't say I did but I'll tell you one thing it might be disgraceful but it's true so <laughs> so I used to love her <laughs> lovely <laughs> that's a great wind up oh, know, the, yeah. the, we're out of that okay yeah. alright okay uh, I used to love her <clears throat> Davey I'll ask you one more time did you write that line I plead that uh, whatever amendment go on watch it was actually an adjustment by Parik Stevens the line the line was yeah. I'd watch her ass when she'd walk past okay. but Parik said no he said leave the last line to be the glory of her ass <laughs> well, that's what that's what the religious connotations in yeah. glory yeah. I love it you know anyway sorry for anybody who's offended by that but I think it was a, fun, a master stroke oh, yeah. great change too yeah. okay so I mean things took off relatively fast for you didn't they I mean or did they not know they actually did. It was yeah. a roller coaster ride for us. Like it was really fast. Because we this was what year? What year? When did that? When did that hit? That would have been 1990. Oh, but okay. that, but but like all that year before that, we would have got the Waterboys tour and that, and, that, and we were out planted like big crowds all yeah. of a sudden, you know. And yeah. so this came along at the end of the year then, and it was just a single that was released just on the off. We were playing in Fela in the summer of '90, okay. and it was just put out. And we didn't even think any more about it and about it. And the next thing, it was in at number 19. So. Oh. It started, you know, because we had done so much groundwork with the with the water boys and that that people just went out and bought the single when they heard it. So yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so was this for you? Like, I mean, this was the kid who who had loved punk and idolized Springsteen and all, and suddenly you're in the charts, you're having huge audiences, and the audience is obviously connecting with you. It must have been a great kick. It was, and it was like we didn't really mean it or something. Yeah. I, we, you know, we kind of we we didn't understand what happened, and things started happening very fast for us. Obviously. When you're up and if you have a number one single, everybody wants to, everybody wants you to play for them and whatever. We were on, we were on the den with Zig and Zag thirteen times. I know. Okay. Can't get cooler than that, can? No, no, no. It was, <laughs> it was a hectic time and it was great fun, but uh, it, like uh, it wasn't the most enjoyable time of. Uh, it's more enjoyable now, really. It's more realistic. Why then? Because it was new and all the pressure and the performing, or just the, the pace of it all? Just the pace, but you didn't get time to savor as you were. It was like you know, it's like eating a meal really fast. Oh, right, <laughs> Whereas okay. you can savor stuff now. But you guys also you were getting married. I mean, you got you got settled quite early, didn't you? Couple did. If I'm remembering well, right, I got married in 1981, which is about oh, a year yeah. after Blaze X broke up. Yeah. So, and, and I had grown kids when all this started, when I still over started and that. Yeah. So, it was a kind of a shock to me. And I was kind of settled into, like, not settled, but I had a job and I 
making money and all that, you okay. know, mortgage and all that. Yeah. And then suddenly this happens. So I was like, you know, it was suddenly my hobby became my job. Right, <laughs> you, know, yeah. kind of. uh, you married much later, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't get married yet. Oh, did you not get married later? Oh, okay. Huh? At the same time, my son was, I was expecting my... my At that point? Yeah. Let go. Maybe you're right about oh, the time. It's cemento. For sake. It is the ghost. Let me, well, you, I'll stitch in the edit. Yeah. Continue what you're saying. It was just really, as I said, it was like I was 31 when it started, like, for me. You know, so again, you know, I mean, I didn't, as I said, I enjoyed the Blazex thing, but then this happened again, and I was thinking, right. oh, here it comes now again, you know. All so right. you don't often get a, you, like, nobody, you know, in music, don't get a second chance, like, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it was great to get it. It was a great buzz. Right. And Leo, you you were having a baby around that time, weren't you? You were becoming so you 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 had the responsibilities of parenthood, which is you know a life changing experience for most men and women. Absolutely. I mean, whatever about the, having the hit single, my world was changing in a lot more lot more deep ways than than yeah. that. You know, so it was a it was a chaotic time for me. And my mother was very unwell, and she died the following year. Oh, did and she? I, yeah. All right. And uh, you know, it was just a time where I I can't I can't really recall exactly what happened. Just that sweep of events, the way they all happened around yeah. the same. Yeah, all of a sudden we were number one for nine weeks and everything else was happening as well, so. It's kind of, there's, there's kind of con some consolation in the fact that there's a number one, there's a baby born, even though the mummy's dying. Oh, yeah, I mean, we had, it was great. There was, it, we, there was great times in it, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But as I said, I, don't ask me to remember it because the tape was on fast all the time. Like. <laughs> all right, okay. Listen, right, okay. <laughs> so what, are, what, are, what are the bigger hits? Will we play N17? Will we play something or is there something else from, from that era that you think would oh, better think represent N17 the time? N17 would be a classic. Because it also, it, this is where exactly I'm talking about capturing what a lot of people were feeling and the thinking, moment, I, capturing moment, a moment yeah. in Irish history. Yeah, that's what somebody said to me, like that, that that was a piece of history like and still is like N17. So that's... That's actually a nice thing that people would say that. And who, who again? Are you, are you going to renege on responsibility for this one too? No, I won't because uh, I think it was. Uh, I think what happened was we were just talking about. Uh, it was you that you, you had all the lyrics done. Leo had all the lyrics done about you know about leaving home and yeah. and that trip like you know, and the, it just seemed appropriate that you head down the N17 to Shannon and yeah, and it was yeah. musical like and that's it just came about like you know. And you had written this lyric, how? Was it in a, in a one-shot thing, or was it something you contemplated for a long time? Were you watching mates go, people go? Yeah, most of our friends were leaving at that stage. You know, you'd leave school and you'd go away. And I had, I had the poem written with those verses, or, you know, I was working on bits and pieces for a while, and I, I said, I have this to Davy, and Davy said, oh, yeah, he said, I was thinking about, what would it be like if uh, we said, I wish I was on the N17, uh, that kind of a thing. And I wasn't sure what he was saying exactly first, and I thought he was mad because N17 wasn't in parlance at the time. It was the Galway Road or the Tomb Road. There just happened to be little signs up that Davy spotted, but nobody, nobody ever, nobody ever read them, as far as I know. Right. Okay. I think he was the first person I ever knew that read the sign. <laughs> and now, by God, it's changed. But it's lovely musical, like N17. It just sounded lovely and musical to yeah, me, and you know. You know, and it's just like, and it was our like, it was like our tribute to Route 66 and that, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, and Springsteen, a Springsteen yeah. type kind of moving out, getting yeah. out of there. Well, yeah, exactly. It was, it was, it was getting out of there, and it was, it, it like Springsteen as well. It wasn't afraid to quote local references, which, which was, has yeah. never done us any harm. No, it hasn't. Absolutely not. Yeah. They love you for it. So let's 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 love them back again. Here we go. All right, that thing, uh, the, that was N17. Was there ever an issue, and I've written about this in various things, I didn't think of the cover Help Press story, which is at an Irish Time interview with you. Was there ever a thing about you not being the critics, darling? Did that ever get to grade on you? And was there ever a kind of divide in 
you guys were resolutely came from where you came from. You've just sung about it. And you were never really part of the Dublin scene. Did that work against, work for, does that matter at all anymore? I know it did at one point. Well, it never really mattered to me because I, we were going to do what we were going to do anyway. So, I mean, you know, and you can't get, you know, it, it, it's, it's, if you could understand, to get to understand uh, something, then you can criticise it, you know. But, but there was a lot of criticism that came without even scratching the surface, you know. So right. that was the kind of that was the kind of one that kind of got me really. Of the what? Of the band's music, of the songs you were writing, of what you were doing, basically. There was a, there's a, a depth in the Saw Doctors that a lot of people never saw and never never got to see and never actually bothered to, to check out, you know. So, right. what do you think was off-putting? The idea that these were kind of pub songs sung by crowds and and these they probably fell off their tongues without any work. That kind of naive notion. I would think probably so, and I think probably that we weren't exactly. Uh, we're not exactly pop stars, like, and lo- you know, in, in any way, like, you know, so that probably wouldn't have helped either. You know, the image wasn't great and that, like, so. Which has never played the game. You never, I never know of you as coming up to Dublin and doing the whole nightclub scene and doing all the PR and doing, did you? I mean, just never, did you? No, <laughs> no, no yeah. word. But did you ever make a decision not to? Well, we just hadn't time to do it. It's not something that we'd, we'd, we'd really want to do. What's the point in us wanting to go drinking with DJs and producers, you know? It, yeah. It's we haven't got the time for that really. It's not it's not it's not high enough on our priority list. And does it did did that kind of critical mauling from certain sections only uh, ever get to you, Liam? Well, I find it annoying at times because I know some of the um, people that have criticised our gigs haven't been to see us. Our first review by a, a prominent Dublin songwriter came to see us at, or he was given the job of reviewing the bands at Fela in 1990. And his review in Hot Press said, and he's a very well-respected songwriter in, in Dublin, his review in Hot Press said, the Saw Doctors were on first. I didn't see them, but I was reliably informed that they were crap. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this famous songwriter? Paul Cleary. Yeah. Oh, was that the review? Yeah. Mm. Well, that's kind of nonsense anyway, isn't it? But, but that, it didn't turn you. You didn't kind of go, well, this is them. They, if they don't get it and don't understand, to hell with them. Uh, or did you? Yeah, well, we do. That, that's it. I mean, we played to a huge we played to a huge crowd in Oxygen now uh, last month, and the the band that played before us was reviewed, and the band that played after us was reviewed on all the radio stations in all the papers, and we are totally ignored. And I know we played to a bigger crowd than either of those two bands, but you know, I, I would I, I would find that annoying, and I'm not even in the band, but I just find that. And I remember hearing a story once. I don't know how true it is that another paper, and I won't give the name here, but that they they didn't want to advertise you guys or put your picture in a particular block ad because someone was told you didn't tie in with the image this newspaper wants yeah, to be yeah, selling. Isn't yeah. that a true story? Yeah, which is kind of a, when you think about it, it's a bit strange, really, because it, there's a lot of people like that that they'd be the first people out to be, you know, if there was. If there was racism or, you know, bigotry or whatever, they'd be the first people in the queue saying this is bad, yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Their own minds are narrower than, you know, so I kind of more pity, it's more pity I'd have than, than like, uh, you know, be annoyed or anything like that. Yeah, and you're not going to let it make you bitter. Not so, and the music, the music you still make is incredibly joyful. The main thing we have is we have a wonderful following of yeah. loyal fans and it's grown all the time. And the amount of young people that are coming to see us in Ireland at the moment and really enjoying themselves... And, you know, whether we get recognised for that in the papers or in the magazines or in the radio or whatever, it's not the most important thing. It's the fact that we have a relationship with these thousands of kids and we're having great fun with them. And that's the main thing. Do you know what I'd like to play? I'd like to play a song for them now. And I'd like to play a song. We're going to talk about, you have an album coming up and we're going to talk me around that because I haven't heard it yet. But I want to play a track from, I got from, from Ollie. 
your, your manager, a copy of a live CD you have. So why don't we play for the fans who I've watched in audiences, and I've, I've seen them from Galway, I've seen them right around yeah. Ireland. I love the way you generate excitement and a oneness with yeah. your audience that I too often find absent between rock star and audience. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the tossing down manna from the mountaintop yeah, to the plebs. Yeah. <laughs> so so, we, so, so we, shall we play one track from that live album, which is an N17 or I used to love her? Yeah, whoever wants to pick it. Um, I like that one. I'll be on my way. I mean, I, I like that now, but I'll give Leo, I'll give Leo a second go. Go on. No way. There's no way. Actually, with the, the way he, the way he said that out of the side of his mouth was just so real. I like it. You know, I, we can't now play it. Leo, don't break his heart. Oh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not arguing. <laughs> so introduce it and tell us why you like it. This is called "I'll Be on My Way." I really love this song, and I think that the way we did it live here was great. It's actually great on the album, man. I just love it. I just okay. really love it. That'll do for me, and it'll do for your fans, and it'll do for everyone, so let's hear it. Okay, now this is where I'm at a trick. Okay, uh, uh, Davey, while we were listening to that song, you made a, a, another wonderful comment. You were saying, I heard, I, by the way you said I want, you wanted us to play that song, I, know, I could yeah. sense it. You're a fan of the band. I am, actually, and it's not in an arrogant way. I just like, I mean, I love the songs, and, and I love the band. I think the band is great, and I'd love to have, I mean, I love being in it. But I'd love to go and see it or hear the band. You know what I mean? I really that's, that's called by location. You'd have to be a bit of a I schizo. Yeah. No, no, we, I don't think we'll sort that for you. Leo, <laughs> you, listen, you have a new album coming out. I don't know what it's called. But it, apparently the, 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 the difference in this one is the songs were written over a more concentrated period of time. And uh, is, that, is that true? And is that what? Tell us about it. Leo, yeah, first. We, yeah. we had very little to start with. We started writing a few songs in, uh, in October and, and didn't have a lot of time to do it. And then back we came and... Uh, Started recording in January just as a rehearsal thing, but we recorded it just in case. And there's three songs that made the album from those kind of rough recordings, oh, okay. rehearsal recordings. And then Paul Keegan, our live sound engineer, came in and he bumped up, making sure we were getting all the, the big uh, the big sounds of the guitars and the drums. And we re-recorded all the songs again with him mostly. So you didn't keep the, even the original of those rough three uh, early ones? As I said, three of them. Three of them have oh, they're the actual ones that made it onto yeah, the album? Yeah, and then the other nine then are, are like recordings or re-recordings of what we had done already. I imagine that one thing for the Saw Doctors when you're producing music is you do not want it to become too clinical. You don't want it to become too too, too uh, sanitised or computerised or mechanical. Yeah, just, you're trying to capture some kind of a performance and a bit of magic and sometimes yeah. you never know. And, and there's a couple of songs here we, d we, j we, we found really easy. We just yeah. stumbled upon it. Like. The thing about the Saw Doctors as well is we're not renowned. Like, I mean, even among the fans... For the album being the thing, it's the live show you see. So, I mean, making an album for us uh, is a kind of a it's it's a challenge every time. Like, because yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. You're not renowned for it, so. But that is not not that that was and that is another criticism that you've never been albums artists. But I don't see that as a criticism. I know. You know, you're a live band who want to recreate something of that spirit in the studio, yeah. which doesn't always translate. Well, the big the big thrill for me is that we we did two, we've done two live albums now and they sound fantastic. So that's great that you can actually do that in one go, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than 97 tracks or whatever yeah, you're going to yeah, put on. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, so yeah. it's, a, it's nearly like a compliment more than anything else. So. so there was a song, there's a particular song we're going to play. I want to play two from it. I'm going to play Wisdom of You. That's the title of it. And you, you, you again, uh, David, you said you particularly like this. I like this song. Oh, this, is, this is a song Leo had. And, right. and it's just, I think it's, it's it, you know, the Saw Doctors, have, anyone who's a big, a big fan of the Saw Doctors will know they have certain kind of styles. The songs like It Won't Be Tonight and there's songs like there's a song called Winter's Just a Dream. And of this style of song, the Winter's Just a Dream style, this one is a, is a class effort, like at that style, I think. 
Yeah. Well, talk us into it since they wrote it. Wisdom of Youth, I heard this poem by William Allingham on the radio one morning. You know the, the really early Sunday show? He plays lovely classical and Irish yeah. music. And he, he recited this poem, Oh, Spirit of the Summertime. And it just stuck in my brain. I looked it up on the internet. And just every, every line was beautiful. And the language is quite old. It's from the 19th century. But I just thought the, lang- the style of language, and I thought it'd be nice to try and write a song with, with kind of that style of language. Now I know it doesn't come anywhere close to William, William Ellingham. But it was the, if, if you ask me what influenced trying to write the song, that poem had, had quite an influence on it. Okay. Wisdom of Youth. It sounds like a seasoned song, and I'd say that subtly. Not an old man's song. <laughs> it is, I, I, it's, uh, I don't know what it is. It's hard to judge for me, to tell you the truth. Excellent, excellent, but let's hear it. Okay, I'm going to have to mention that stuff in the background too. Those guys will be charging us for broadcasting I the know. fucking music. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. We'll have, to, we'll we'll have to pay royalties. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, I've got a broader question about the Saw Doctors before we go into the last track, which is quite last summer in New York. Yeah, I can talk to you about a couple of them if you want. Yeah, but I want to broaden it just sure, out, yeah. out from the album and then yeah. we'll go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, what, is, there, is there another two particular songs you want like, to talk about? Through, like, like me without Juno, I remember we were writing it and we had the lyrics and we were trying to put music to it. And I said to Davey, you know the way, do you know the way Credence do it? I said, hey, Oh, well, let me bring, I'll bring that up. Yeah. I'll bring that up. Yeah. And then we go straight into it. Well, that wasn't the song I was going to ask. We were, we were no, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to play two. Okay, great. I'm going to yeah. play that, but I, I like that idea. Because yeah, yeah, nice. that's, uh, yeah. actually, the tape's still on. Uh, yeah, um, we're going to broaden it opposite. Absolutely, yeah. No, uh, uh, you're listening to Joe Jackson with two of the Saw Doctors and none of the influence. And again, I must explain to listeners that we're down at the uh, Dancing with Lunacy Festival and the music that's playing in the background. No matter how many times I ask them to shut up and stop singing, they <laughs> will not stop. So we were chatting there during that recording. And you, you back referred, Leo, to the influence of one of the, we, I don't know if we mentioned earlier, Credence, you might yeah. have, Davey, but the, the kind of, uh, that, that feel, that some of that came true in the comp- one of the f- compositions on the new album. Yeah, I mean, people, we, we never get called for plagiarism because we don't, we, don't uh, we don't get the mimicking very good. Like, but right. We had this, I had this set of lyrics, I had this idea of this fellow who loses his partner and it's me without you, you know, and uh, we were trying to put a tune to it one day, myself and Davey, and, and I said, I'd been listening to one of the Creedence songs, I think it was Lodi or something, and, oh, yeah. I, and I said, Davey, you know the way Fogarty just hammers on one chord and he sings over it and nothing much moves for a while and it's solid, like, you know, so I said, why don't we try that? And Davey just started singing Me Without You in that type of a fashion. Now, as I said, I don't think anyone will ever say they're copying Creedence Clearwater Revival, yeah. but that was, that was what got us going on the right musical track. But isn't it great that a piece of music, like whatever it is, a 33-year-old uh, rock recording can actually liberate and not in creativity like that and make it go, this is it. It's a testament to, the, to that kind of, st- that, that era though and his, his music that, that it still stands this yeah. time. Because many things have happened in between Absolutely. and you still look at that and you go, that's fantastic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's hear Lodi. Oh no, sorry. What's <laughs> Me without you. <laughs> I like that. No, that's good. Okay, we're coming up to the end. <laughs> they won't know where we're going on this one. They think we were all out of our schools. Okay, uh, all right. Uh, uh, Davy and Leo, we're, we're coming up to the end of one of the influence. Just give me a broad idea of where the Saw Doctors are at the moment. You've got some, some relatively new members, some, some uh, one, 12 years, but some even far, far more recently joined. Fran Breen has joined you, hasn't he? Yeah. And, uh, and so what's the state of play with the band? Are you in a healthy, happy position? No danger of breaking up? The, the, road, is, the road goes on forever and that? Is everything fine? Well, as far as I can see, the like we've made this album now, and we've got a a nice tight little unit together, and we're back on the road again, and we're 
we're drawing in uh, young people who seem to have like suddenly gone uh, who were the saw doctors and what did they do and they're coming to see us and they're hopefully they'll buy the album and stuff like that and hopefully they'll enjoy it is it also in the DVD generation? Is it released a, a DVD? Oh dear, yeah, we've gone high tech. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, him saying I love the, the collision of, of kind of cultural things. Where a, a 19th century poem I checked out on the internet. Yeah. I mean, it can't get more yeah. mixture than so, that. You know, in fairness, Joe, some of our worst critics are going to hate this, but the Sodicus might keep going for another ten years. <laughs> My brother has heard the rough mixes of the album. And he loves it. And right. and he's 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 my greatest critic. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine rang me yesterday to say that he'd come to see us uh, Saturday night, and they'd seen us nine times, and it was definitely the best time they'd seen the band. So that's that's looking good. Okay, and even here tonight, I mean, I have to let you go out. There. I thought I heard them cheer there when you celebrated your own album. <laughs> but uh, uh, even going on tonight, you're, you're fired up by this. This is an exciting gig. You're playing in Offaly. It's a it's a great setting, uh, Kennedy Castle. Uh, it's a rainy day, and I imagine you're going to work to lift people's spirits because the rain had gotten. Probably a lot of people down. Absolutely, that's our job. We're here to, we're here to cure the people of of the rain. Okay, <laughs> and whatever else. Oh yeah, just go out and uh, hopefully they'll sing along and we'll sing along. I mean, you have to go out and have a good time. You can't go out and have a bad time. For God's sake. The best thing about your songs, guys, is when you're out of voice and hung over or any of that, you can just shut up and they'll take it. Exactly, and um, the amount of nights I've done that. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's last summer in New York. This is the this is that title of the track yeah. that I want to play with uh, to, uh, a rocky ending to uh, from the new album to the end of our show. Why this one? It's well, uh, it's our attempt at being the Sex Pistols. <laughs> Again, probably people won't realise that, but yeah. that's. This is where we think we're, we're trying to be the sex pistols anyway. It's a friend of ours in New York. He, he said he was going to leave it and things weren't going well for him. He told us the story about three years ago, but he's still there. So oh, yeah. I wouldn't blame him. All right, OK. But you, you aren't going to relocate? I don't think so. As long as we get the few little holidays, we're happy. Enough. And you do. You play you, and you've released the greatest hit CD and all that in the States. So things are happening at whatever level in the, in the United States for you. Oh, yeah. We're doing grand over there. We've, we're building an audience over there as well and it's, it's getting better all the time. Except all the fans who left then on the N17 have come back. That's what I mean, yeah. You're playing the N17 over there now and they're going, what is he talking about? <laughs> Listen, guys, it was absolutely fantastic. I've wanted you on the show for a long time and I, despite what your critics may say, I wish you another at least 50 years together creating music. It was a pleasure, as I said. Thank you very much, Joe. I'm enjoying it so far anyway, I have to say. <laughs> Good luck, lads. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. More can be heard, as I said, at Joe Jackson Interviewer dot com.